Welcome, everyone. It's good to see you. I hadn't seen some of you yet this morning, so um, it's good to be together, even though we're a little bit apart. Um, I know Quentin Vell were asking me yesterday how if I enjoyed having people here again, and you know, it's just it's such an, a blessing to be able to be together. Amen. Like this, this is being able to be together like this is is something so rich for us. So um, we're in our series this morning. I'll, I'll uh, talk a little bit about that yet, but I uh, want to just begin again by reading some scripture. So if you have your Bibles with you, I uh, want to invite you to open up to Romans 8. Um, not going to look at uh, it in depth, but I'm going to read a bunch of verses here again for context this morning uh, for us. So uh, once again, settle in. And uh, enjoy as we, we read the word of God together. So Romans 8. I'm going to start, uh, you know, you could read the whole chapter, but I'm not going to for time's sake. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start at uh, verse 16, and then we're going to go through the end of the chapter. Verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not with, also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hands of God, who indeed is interceding for us. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So Friday morning, I, uh, this, this was uh, what I'm going to talk about. This was the number one story on Twitter. I went, I went to open my Spotify app early Friday morning, and I found that my music wouldn't play. Like, my app kept crashing. I tried to open it a few times, and my app wouldn't open. I'm like, what is going on? Like, is my phone not working properly? And, uh, and I was like, I want to listen to music. I, wanna, I wanted to listen to some worship music as I was reading my devotions. And I was like, I can't do this. And so I, I made the mistake, because I have all my saved music on that app. I deleted the app which I lost all that, Ugh. reinstalled it, still doesn't work. Did it again, uninstalled, reinstalled, it still doesn't work. I'm like, ah, I should check Twitter. Sure enough, guess what? Spotify, the app as a whole, was down. And I was like, why did I just do that? And sure enough, like, the fact that Spotify was down for an hour was the top trending issue on Twitter. And People, like, were going bananas over this. Like, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, like, bananas. They were, like, they were so upset about it. So I, I pulled a few uh, of, of screenshots of, of some of what people can say. You can, Shana, you can just put that up there when you, when you get to it. But, like, some, these, were, these screenshots that I took, um, yeah, go to the next one. Like, I can't sleep without music. There was a whole bunch of them. And these were like the, the few that I could, that were appropriate to put up here, if you know what I mean. The majority of what people were uh, tweeting to Spotify was not appropriate to put up on the screen. It was crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, anyways. And there was one, I remember one comment. I, cu I couldn't put it up, but, but the gist of it was, what am I going to do? Now I'm left with having to listen to my own thoughts. And I was like, wow. The th and what was fascinating about this was how this one issue just explodes on Twitter. And it says so much about our culture. That we want what we want, when we want it. And you better give it to us. And oh, if I'm paying for it, then you really better give it to me. Or I'm going to freak out. And I'm not going to know what to do with myself because, oh my goodness, I can't listen to music. Like, how dare you, Spotify? We, we want a life in our culture. No hiccups. No problems. Don't let any app crash. Like, God forbid if Wi-Fi goes down, we are doomed. <laughs> right? But, like, this is one of the reasons why in this current world of pandemics and restrictions and regulations and upheaval, 
everything is so charged in our society right now. Like, so charged. People just react for any number of things, and they go off the deep end on all manner of issues. And social media, because that's the majority of where people live their lives, a lot of people, it, it makes for just a crazy world right now. So we're in this series, Presence, Formation, Witness. We've titled it, talking about how we're made for God's presence, we are shaped by formation, and we are defined by witness as God's people. And I, and I just want to say, I think that this is a really, really important series for LCF, if I can say that. I think that this series, it's sort of almost like a vision and values type of series, but my desire is that God would be using this in us, in this particular season that we're in, that is a very particular time to do a deep transformational work in our lives. And, and using all the upheaval and all the shifting and all that's going on to, to take us to a deeper level of spiritual hunger and growth, that we come out of this and we are different as God's people. And that's my, that's my heart for us. And so we're going to shift today to formation, talking about this, this thing of formation, meaning the, the process in our lives or the, the practice, uh, the, the process in our lives that's marked by practices that shape us into the way of Jesus, uh, to be like Jesus. And so this morning is sort of an introduction, if you will, into this. We're going to talk about formation. But that's my title today. Very simple. Be like Jesus. We, we want to be people who are like Jesus. And we want to think and ponder and talk about what that is. And so the verses there that we read, that, that long bit of verses in Romans 8, there's, those verses are talking about longing, about this longing as the children of God to be set free. We're, we're, we're groaning inwardly because we're waiting for God to do this incredible work in our lives. And it's, it's speaking about this time of between our new life in Christ, coming to new life in Christ, and the end of all things, the end of our lives. And in the midst of that, the incredible promises that God has for us, come what may, it doesn't matter. God is working. And there's two verses in the midst of that passage that we just read that I want to spend a little bit of time here to begin unpacking and tying it to this topic of spiritual formation in our lives. And I want to unpack what I mean even by formation when it comes to following Jesus. So verse 28, famous verse, right? It's, it's used in so many different ways, and people love this verse, and I love it. We know that for, for those who love God, it says, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Like, who wouldn't love that verse? That's one of those, like, life verses. Like, you just, you put that down, you hold it. Like, this is true of the God that I serve. And, and it's incredibly applicable right now, considering the last few months that we've been through and how we, not just now, but, but overall in our lives, how we understand what happens in our lives and how we feel about what happens and how we react to circumstances and events 
and tragedy and everything in between. How do we react? How do we approach those things? And we need to point out here, before we go any further, what the text doesn't say. Because this verse, if misunderstood incorrectly, can actually give a lot of false hope and comfort to people that actually won't sustain them. In the moment, it might sound good, but it's not going to give you that eternal hope that you need. There's lots of things that people think that these, this verse says that it actually doesn't. So, it's not saying that all things are good. Like, like just hang on, all things ultimately are good because we can clearly say COVID is not good. Right? Do you agree? We can say COVID-19 is not good. We're not going to stand up here and say this is a good thing. No, it's not. It's a horrible thing. It's terrible. It's taking lives. It continues to ravage people's lives. And we want to, this is why we can pray for an end to it. Because it's not good. And God doesn't want it on this earth. Now, this verse is also not saying just hang in there. Like it's inevitable that things are going to work out. Just, it's, it's, because you know what? No. Outside of God's intervention, there is no hope that things will work out. It's not inevitable that like some karma of the world and, you know, the yin and yang and things will, no. Outside of God's intervention, things are not guaranteed to work out. So it's not saying that. It's not saying if you belong to Jesus, only good things are going to happen to you. Right? Like just name it, claim it, proclaim it. You're a child of the king. Good things are going to happen to you. No, that's actually not what this verse is saying. It's not saying, you de- after all, you deserve this. Do you know who you are? It's not saying that. Now here's the thing. Those sorts of things that we can think about this verse, that there is an inclination in our hearts and our minds to go that way. To think like that. And it's because it certainly benefits us to live selfishly with that kind of mindset. It feels good, actually, to live with that mindset because it's about me. But here's the thing, and this is one reason why I read the, the, the bigger context here of Romans 8. The guy writing that didn't experience that. Paul did not experience... Just what we read there, what did Paul experience? And if you look at, at his life in Scripture, what did Paul experience? Lots and lots and lots of tough, difficult stuff. So we have to get to what did Paul mean? What was God's intention in these words? And we always want to get to that in whatever passage we're looking at. What is God's intention in this? What what is this good that, that is talking about? What is the good toward which God is moving all things? And the key is the next verse. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Did you catch that in that, those verses? That we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. Conformed there, it also has the meaning of obey, observe, to follow. So this, this is in the midst of what, when we go through difficult things, when we're in this midst of this really difficult season, this is the comfort, this is the perspective, this is the hope that we need. 
Th- this is what we can say, that in all things, God is working for the good to make us more like Jesus. That, I can say with full assurance, is true to anyone in any situation, in anything. It may not be good, but I guarantee you, if you are in Christ, God is working it in your life to make you more like Jesus. And we don't, see, it's not that all things are good and we don't even have to pretend that they are. So it doesn't deny, it doesn't remove pain, it doesn't resolve the crisis necessarily. We can see, I I actually, no, I, I can't resolve this and I don't understand it all. But God is good. And he's working it in your life. That, I don't know about you, but that gives me, well, I think it for all of us it does, because it's true. It gives all of us a different perspective and feeling about situations that we face in life when they're hard. So whether it's COVID, whether it's anything else, whatever else in our lives, in all things, God is working to bring us to be more like his son. That is the good that's being worked in us. So you, you mean to say, Paul, that God is going to allow or even guide me through really difficult things in my life to bring me to a place of dependence on his son that will make me more like Jesus? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. God brings us through hard things. Now, here's the thing. The argument can be made, okay, you're just coming up with uh, a philosophical reasoning, if you will, to explain away suffering and hard stuff. You've crafted these verses in such a way that that explains away the hard stuff and the tough stuff in life. And it'll just, God's working it all. Right? You're, ju- you're just peddling a means, Paul, for people to, to handle hardship. That, that could be an accusation that could be made. But here's what, here's what I would say in response to that. God's design was for you to have union with him. Full stop participate in the life of God and the only thing that we had to do and this was Adam and Eve's problem is that we had to relinquish autonomy we had to say I am going to have complete dependence on God that was the problem with Adam and Eve they wanted control and if we did relinquish autonomy we would have complete communion and it would grow with God So sin, and we're going to tackle sin actually as part of formation. Sin entered the world as a result of our desire to be our own God. Autonomy, that's what it is. Alien, and it brought alienation from God. And now we are, within ourselves, all of us have this measure of we are driven by shame, by fear, by guilt. And we all deal with it. Because that is the effects of sin. But Jesus came to restore us to intimacy with the Father. See, this is where that happened. Jesus came to restore God's intention for his creation. And so it's by participating in the life of Christ that it, he, it becomes our life. His life becomes our life. And so relationship with God is a process. This relationship with God, it is a process 
of being made more like Jesus. That's what this is. Being conformed to be more and more like Jesus. So this is what we mean by formation. To be like Jesus, to be formed in his likeness, to follow his way, taking on his character, his attitudes, his behaviors, his speech, his thinking patterns, all of that. Mining the depths of scripture, being formed by scripture, this progressive state of pursuit and growth where we're experiencing healing and wholeness in our lives, in our families, in our vocations, in every part of us, we are experiencing this healing and wholeness as we are being made more and more like Jesus. So Galatians 4.19, it, it really conveys Paul's passion there. He, he conveys a passion for the church where he says, I, he, and he uses the, the, the descriptive picture of a, a woman in childbirth, and he says, like, I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, he says. Like, he, I, he says to the church, I just, I so badly want to see this growth of Christ in you. Like, I'm in this anguish for this to happen. And that, that verse fits perfectly alongside Romans 8.29. Like, this thing of Christ being formed in us. That the mold of Jesus is what shapes us. And so the whole topic of formation into Christ, being shaped by this, that this is this has been a progressive work that's been at work within me. Um, I, you know, I, I was contemplating this as I prepared this. I was like, how do I even how do I even share that? And, and there's so much to try and unpack in that. But I, I, I feel like the whole topic of formation and coming into this, being formed into the way of Christ, is something that has really has gone deeper within myself these in the last few years. And and I, I definitely have felt a shift within myself and, and seen a shift in myself as I've, as I've gone deeper into those things in myself that need to be conformed into the way of Jesus. And it doesn't stop. It's not like you, you reach this place and you've now finished. It's, it's this progressive work of where we're encountering Jesus. And so, you know, it's, it's about examining um, my practices and my behavior as it relates to following the way of Jesus. And that can be very, very uncomfortable. It can be very painful. It can be very illuminating as you begin to assess, why did I do that? Why did I do this? Why do I, why do I feel this urge in myself? Why do I feel like I want to react this way? Why do I react this way in this situation? Why do I always go to that kind of behavior? Like all those things, that all, all of that, relates to following the way of Jesus. Am I aligned with the way of Jesus? And so one way that I would put this is that it's moving from information and emotion to transformation. And we're, I'm going to talk about that a little bit yet. But that, that knowing about God and experiencing God, those two things are meant to change and transform us. So that... As we get to whatever age, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, keep going. Maybe you get to 100 in your life. But whatever age you're at, that you look and you go, I am progressively seeing that I'm becoming more like Jesus. Like, isn't, that's amazing, isn't it? That you can look back and say, at 40, 
I am more like Jesus than I was at 30, and more like Jesus than I was at 20, and as you get older, I'm more like Jesus. Like, I'm experiencing more of the life of Christ. And I would say that all of Scripture points to that is the goal that God is working in us on this earth. As we are going to the new heavens and the new earth, and we are being prepared for eternity with God, that we're growing, that we are becoming more like Jesus. And so, yeah, Christianity is far more than just church attendance and involvement and stamping whatever boxes that we've created that make me a good Christian. Like, the church is, is incredibly important. And we'll, we'll talk about that. And we want to talk about how the body of Christ is, is key for formation. I mean, that's all in the New Testament. But this is about way so much more than that. This is about Christ being formed in me. I'm being changed. So when we speak of spiritual formation, we're, we're speaking about our spirit inside of us being formed from the inside out. Meaning, as I'm becoming more like Jesus, Lord willing, that's what he's doing in me. That I am becoming more like my true self. I'm actually becoming more and more like the person that God designed me to be. In Ephesians 4.13, uh, love this, that verse. And th that was a verse that preceded what we read last week, but it, where it speaks there about attaining to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'll say that again because it's, it's kind of a big mouthful. Attaining to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's a little bit clunky there and because that, the Greek's a little bit clunky translating it to English, but don't, don't get caught up in that. The word there in the Greek for fullness, it's, it's such an incredible word. It was actually used at the time as a numeric word in, in the culture. And so like it was actually used on the paperwork of a ship's manifest. So when they would, they would talk about uh, a ship, they would write on the manifest this word that, would, that meant no more capacity, fullness. Like there's no more capacity on the ship. Sort of like on a bill of lading. The ship is full. So think about that. Paul's using that word very specifically to say that is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in you. That you are, to you, that God's design for us is that there's this fullness. We are filled up to the very top of our capacity with Christ. That there's no room. That's, and that's what God is doing. Now, within the context of Ephesians 4, that's what God's wanting to do in his church. That's what he's wanting to do through his church. That's what he's wanting to do in us. So do you, here's the question that I, I was left with. Do I see this, that being filled with the fullness of Christ, as the ultimate aim, goal, and purpose of my life? Like that, that is God's design for me. Whatever I'm going through, whatever, my, where my life takes me, fullness, more of Christ. And so formation into Christ is the growth of coming into more and more and more of the fullness of Jesus, growing in maturity in him. Okay, so when we speak of formation, what, what do we mean when I, when I said there, when we speak about moving from information and emotion 
to transformation. I want to I just unpack this a little bit for us because I think this is really helpful in the church. There, because there, in this, in information and emotion, there's half-truths that we can operate in. They're somewhat true, but they're not fully true. And that is, the first one is that information is all that you need for transformation. This is our model for education in the West. This is what we believe. Just pump us full of information, and that will lead to change, right? That'll lead to enlightenment. It's like Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. That, that, that pervades a lot of our society. It's a view of anthropology that believes it sees us as just a big brain on, on legs. That's, that's what you are. You're a big brain. So all you need is to change what's here, your in, the information you have, the knowledge you have, and that'll lead to transformation. Now, philosopher James A.K. Smith, he tells this really funny story uh, in his book where he, how his wife was really getting into this slow food movement, right? The whole thing of locally grown, less processed foods. And she talked about having happy pigs in the freezer. Like they had the pigs that were growing the right way and slaughtered the right way. So they were happy pigs that were in their freezer. And he tells this story. And so he, like he wasn't buying it at first. And, but she's really on this train. So she gives him some books to read. And so he likes to read. So he says, I, he, he got into reading these. And this one book really captivated him on this whole thing. And so he took this book wherever he would go. And he'd be reading it in, just in snippets as he had time. And he says, he, he remembered one day he was reading it and he was underlining and highlighting, going, man, like, and he, and he was finding himself coming into believing, like, yeah, I, this, I, I see now what she's saying. And all of a sudden, he's sitting there and he realizes he's reading this and getting into it as he's sitting in Costco eating a hot dog that he says definitely probably didn't come from a happy pig. And he said he was doing the exact opposite of what he was claiming to believe. He said the problem wasn't information. The problem, he said, is that I just still really love hot dogs. Now, for some of us, yeah, okay, we need to take in more information. That might be true, that, that you actually need more information in helping you to understand what formation to Jesus is. But I think for many of us, the problem isn't information. The problem is that we still love hot dogs. Or the problem is we still love fill in the blank with whatever that blank is in your life. You just, the problem is that you don't need to know more. The problem actually is that it's about practice. It's about how you're living. Because the truth is whatever you love in your heart, whatever ultimately has your heart, has, holds way more sway over what you do and what you become than what you know up here. It is all about what's here. Information transfer is great. And I love learning. I, and I love, I love giving information. I love receiving information. Jess can testify. I love just consuming information. Like I, I, that, it almost makes me giddy to consume information and facts. But it doesn't change me. It's not, that is not enough for transformation. The second half-truth out of this is that when it comes to emotion, is that we can believe in the church that emotion and encounter alone is what you need for transformation. 
Now, those of us that come from a charismatic Pentecostal background, yes, all in, okay? We feel this pull. We love emotion. We love it in the church. And it's partially true because emotion is really important. We want to pursue this. We want to worship God with everything we have. We're designed to be a worshiping people because we're designed to have wholeness in that regard. So it's a good thing, but emotional experience will not produce lasting change in you unless it is backed up by a change in lifestyle. So we have to move from this place of encounter it's not that we don't want to encounter God, but we have to move from a place of encounter to practice in community. Because otherwise, emotion and experience, they don't last much long beyond the experience. It might last for like a week or two, right? You go to a youth conference, you get pumped up, you get filled up, kids just love, and then, and then two weeks later, you're going, what's going on with these kids? Now, it's not that they didn't experience God. It's not, it's not that. See, that's what the devil wants to throw at them. Oh, you never even experienced God. No, it wasn't that. It's, it's the same, I mean, it's the same thing for us as adults. You go to a Holy Spirit weekend. You encounter the Holy Spirit. Woohoo! Right? You have, you have like prairie fire that comes to Winnipeg in the 90s, and it's like months, whatever, of just like experiencing God. Why doesn't that bring like just a massive shift in the church? Why do we go to a night of worship? We experience God. There's no doubt we experience God at a night of worship. But then, why doesn't it lead to more lasting change? Because it has to be followed by something deeper. Any authentic move of God will be marked by a deep renewal in the hearts of people. It's a work of transformation because that's what God is after. God is, his purpose is to conform us to the image of his son. So the reality is, information's great, emotion's great. We need them, but they will not produce transformation by themselves. They need greater depth. So it's really, it's really important to think about this, to ponder this in our lives, because otherwise we will be given over to unintentional spiritual formation. What I mean to that is we are all, every single person is given to formation it's not about whether you are formed it's about what you are formed to so what we are becoming through our practices through our theology through our, the ideas that we hold and so the question is what will that be that you're being formed to because what we believe the habits that we have the habits that we allow in our lives the relationships that we have what we watch your phone and your social media world which has, a, there's, there's tons and tons of research out there now that even just the amount that entertainment and phones and devices are doing, the staggering ability they have to rewire the brain. They're actually rewiring the brain of people. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a phone because it's actually pretty hard to function now within the world and in jobs without certain things. But realize that everything that's going on in you and what you're giving yourself to over time is forming you. The experiences that you have are forming you. So intentional commitment to the way of Jesus is necessary for spiritual transformation and formation.
It is because it's a counter formation to the ways of the world. You know, years ago, I was, I was golfing at a, a company tournament um, for our company, and I, I remember I was on this one hole, and I remember exactly where I was. I hit a bad shot. Like, it just went off. And I remember just taking my club and sort of, <coughs> and just slammed it into the ground. And the guy I was golfing with, he was a guy on my sales team, and he looks at me, and he's like, what are you so upset for, Paul? I'm, and I, if you've heard the story from me, because I've told this a few times, but I apologize. But I said, he looks at me, he's like, why are you so upset? And I said, well, look, look, at, look at the shot I hit. And he's like, yeah, but he's like, you don't golf enough to be upset. <laughs> and he's like, if you golfed a lot and were given to practice, he says, you could be upset about that shot. Now, this is a guy that played in the, in the, um, the Manitoba Amateur. So he, like, he knew what he was talking about. And I, that always stuck with me. I went away from there going, you know, like he's, I don't like it, but he's right. And it's led me to playing less and less golf. But there's a principle there. If you don't commit to something, you can't expect to achieve growth in that whatever it is. You can't. So if you don't personally commit to pursuing formation to Jesus, you actually cannot expect to see spiritual growth in your life. You can't go, why am I not experiencing growth? Why am I not experiencing communion with God? Well, have you committed to the practice of spiritual formation in your life? So how, how is discipleship to Jesus formed in us? That's the question. Well, it's, it's through teaching. It's through reading. It's through courses. That's, that's all that stuff. It's, it's formed by practice to oppose or to counter the long-held habits that are in our lives. And this, is, this is why spiritual disciplines and just being committed to spiritual disciplines. Like, I don't feel like it, but I'm getting up this morning and I'm spending time in the Word of God. Why? Because it's a spiritual formation. It's forming me and it's doing something. The practice and the habit is doing something even when I don't feel like it. It's, it's changing me. Formation is also shaped in us by the work of the Holy Spirit. It, it is the work of the Spirit. Through the experiences of life, we are shaped into the ways of Jesus. So, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about this whole thing of intention as it relates to formation this week. I was just pondering it. and At some point during the week, I quickly shared with Jen my topic for today and and, we, and so, because then she'll usually let me know kind of what song she's thinking of and being led to. And so she shared the song list. And then she shared with me uh, this verse that she had read that morning in Psalm 77, verse 6. And I was like, I've been thinking about it actually even since she shared it with me. Because in that verse, the psalmist speaks of his spirit making a diligent search. And he's, he's saying it within the context of we have to choose to turn to God. Like, there is a diligence, there's an intention in us that has to happen. I've also been, been reading this book, and I was thinking about this quote, actually, because Jen, I think I said something like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm touching on that on Sunday. And, and I had this quote in my mind, I'm reading this book, The Relational Soul, and just listen to this, what he, they say there in the book. The redemptive work of Christ's recreation invites the real me, to live in a renewed state of being. Like, who doesn't want that, right? 
that I'm encountering the, who I'm really meant to be in Christ. I'm living in a renewed state. This formation process can only happen through a receptive, meaning open, participatory. That means it's talking about choice. Relational experience with the receptive relational God. Participating in his life teaches me new patterns of thinking, feeling, desiring, choosing, and behaving. Like, yes, and yes, amen. Like, there's an, it is a process, this formation process that happens in me. I have to choose it. I have to say, I'm going to that in my life. I'm putting habits into my life. I'm going to give my way to spiritual formation as revealed in God's word because his way will teach me new patterns of thinking and feeling and desiring and choosing and behaving. And you know what I'm so glad of? I don't think or feel anymore exactly like the old Paul. Like my desires are being renewed and changed. I'm not the same guy. And that's, and that's so good, right? Because I'm not tied to old patterns. I'm not tied to, to the, my family of origin and all the stuff in my family's past. And all of this have stuff. I don't have to be tied to that. Why? Because renewal in Christ is, and transformation is a real thing. So my heart for this is for all of us. Like, I want this for all of us. It's just, my heart is like, I want, folks, I want all of, all of this for all of us. That for LCF, that our lives would be saturated with the love and joy of Jesus. Do I need more of that? Yes, I do. I want more and more of that. That we would know the heart of our Father in heaven, and we would experience deep fellowship with him. Like, so, that's so rich. That our testimonies would be of experiencing healing and deep transformation. That we look back at our lives and we go, I am encountering God. I'm being changed, healed, transformed. I'm different. And that out of that, and we sang it this morning, that we would be agents of transformation in our communities. This is not just about in here. This is about out there because transformed people transform as we're being transformed we will transform others so i want to i want to share something here just kind of to, to wrap up what are we doing okay gotta get going boy i want to i want to share something here that i've been contemplating a lot lately alongside this series and fostering this whole thing of fostering patterns of renewal in our lives and integrating all of these aspects into the life of LCF. And so there's this graphic that we've got here. And I want to just, just talk about it a little bit. Because, you know, you look at this and, okay, there's this circle, the dotted circle in the center. You see how everything's like perfectly symmetrical and it looks all wonderful? Like, this, this is, this is a, a wonderful graphic done by Shana and it looks amazing. Now, uh, we know that this is not reality of either the life of the church or even our lives, where everything is perfectly balanced, everything's in perfect harmony, right? The lines, everything's going to the center, and it's, they're all connected and joining, so, you know, our community life, 
and the way that we live on mission, the way that we're outward thinking, and the way that we're giving, and the way that we're growing in that, in the way that we're encountering the Holy Spirit, the pursuit of Him, the hunger of the Holy Spirit, we're led by the Holy Spirit, our, our coming together on Sunday gatherings, right, coming together as the body, our worship together, all of these things, right, growing in our biblical theology, growing in our minds and our hearts, in our spiritual formation, be great if that was all like just perfectly balanced and it's it's intentional too that around ringing that outside circle is emotional health because emotional health is also really really important within the life of the church because you cannot be spiritually mature by and remain emotionally immature it's impossible so now the other thing is that you look at this and you'll probably, if you would think about it, or even already you know, you're like, there's, there's something on there. I prefer a particular aspect on there. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all Holy Spirit. Like, I, I just want more of the Spirit. Or I'm, you know, I'm, like, I'm really into biblical theology, right? And I'll have this. Like, I'll have conversations with, with many of you where you, you key in on certain things. And you're like, we just, we just need to do this. We just, we just, this is what we need. And... Like, there's different things, right? And, I, and, I'm, and, and this person's pulling this way and this person's pulling that way. Welcome to the tension of the church. Welcome to this is what it means to be the body of Christ. We are not going to be perfectly balanced in this, either as individuals or as the body together. We are going to have, and we're going to have very strong feelings about some of this stuff. But... We're gonna, we're gonna, and we're gonna, so we're gonna touch on a bunch of these issues in the coming weeks. Like we're gonna, we're gonna use this sort of almost as a framework when we talk about formation because this is this is really important within the body. And and you'll notice there at the in the top left there it says integrated church. And and I I've been I've been listening to some other pastors and I love this idea that you know there's various expressions of the body of Christ that do a really good job of certain aspects of this. And then there's really deep theologians in certain circles that do really great work on spiritual formation, like, like Dallas Willard and, um, oh, I'm, I'm just blanking on his name right now, but it'll come to me. But there's so many great books on spiritual disciplines. And, and you know, there's, and like, coming from the charismatic Pentecostal movement, like, we, Holy Spirit focus, we need more of that, right? So, that's why having an integrated model of church where we are, and I'll, I'll be honest, like I have no problem, and I, I've done this for years, but I have no problem just stealing unashamedly from various traditions. Like I like doing, like I like doing that. Lots of pastors do it. Why? Because we're taking the best and we're integrating it. Why? Because we're wanting to pursue more and more and more of Jesus. So I hope, I hope that makes sense. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to end. I just, I'm going to end by, uh, I want to give us some questions to work through as it regards to spiritual formation. And uh, I want to, I'll give these to you to just go away with this week. And I would really encourage you to work through these. Because, because it'll take, it takes time. Five, I have five questions. One, where do I see God at work in my life, conforming me to be more like Jesus? Two, 
In what areas am I prone to self-autonomy? How can I learn to trust God in these specific areas? Number three, have I thought about the practice of spiritual formation in my life? Is growth in this a pursuit of my life? Number four, what do I gravitate to in my spiritual life? Information or emotion? How do I bring balance to this in my life? And then number five, what am I becoming through my practices, theology, and ideas? What is influencing my formation the most? I'll leave those with us to, to think through this week and to put before the Lord and to journal about. I think, I think those can be really helpful in helping us work through kind of an introduction to formation. All right, let's, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are so committed to having relationship and union with us, your people. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that you came. And Jesus, that where sin and self-autonomy and brokenness separated us from the love of the Father, that Jesus, you came to restore us to relationship. And that Jesus, we are being formed more and more into your image. That's the the goal and the desire of the Father. I want to thank you for that. And Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for the way that you are working in us and through us. How you are the guarantee of our inheritance. And Lord, as we think about formation in our lives and how we're being formed and what's shaping us and forming us and what is, what is making us become who we're becoming. Lord, we want to yield ourselves to you. God, we want to ask that you be doing a deep work in us in these days, making us more like you. And we thank you that regardless of what we're experiencing, the things that we're working through in our lives, we know that you're good and we know that you are committed to making us more and more like Jesus. Thank you for that, Father.